Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all, and welcome to those of you who are gathered here, and welcome to those of you who are watching uh, through YouTube or Facebook or listening online. Um, It's always uh, still a weird thing for me to do that, but you know, it's an important thing too to recognize that we have 
a congregation that goes beyond those who are just physically with us today. And uh, what a great thing it is. Um, I hope that uh, today is a time that will be a blessing to you. I have to admit how much I enjoyed the chatting that was going on before the service and just seeing everybody connecting, how wonderful that was. And it's an advantage we have of being physically together here in the building. Let's open our service in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we are grateful to be together as your family, as your children. And Father, we ask that you would bless us today, that you would speak to each of our hearts, that our worship would be found pleasing in your sight, and that we would be drawn closer to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God is still away. Unfortunately, it was kind of funny. He told me last week that he was going to be away, and I sent him a gift. Now, if you're not technologically advanced or don't understand what a gift is, a gift is a little repeating uh, image that will do something funny, a very short clip of a video. And the short clip of a video I sent him was a child throwing a temper tantrum. <laughs> I miss Scott. Um, and I'm very grateful for the role that he plays for us here at Goshen Baptist Church. And so you're stuck with me today, but hopefully that'll be all right. Our call to worship together is found at Psalm 34, verses 15 to 22. I will read the parts in white, and you will read the parts in yellow. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears attentive to their cry. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. <laughs> Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. Amen. Our first song that we're going to sing together today is God of Grace and God of Glory. It's found at number 435 in your hymnal. Please stand as we praise God together.
seated. We come to our time of announcements together today. There's a few things that are coming up. We had our ministerial gathering on Thursday, and uh, one of the other pastors in town let me know that St. Paul's United Church is having a family fun day, and this is coming up on uh, this Saturday, October 1st, from 10 a.m. till 12 noon. Uh, it says, children must be accompanied by an adult, and if you don't have a child, go find one and bring them. <laughs> they also have a whole list of other things that are happening right now. I'm not going to go through them, but they will be posted at the back for you to see. Um, today's birthday is Scott Pittock's birthday. <sighs> Makes me sad. I miss him even more now. <laughs> Brenda showed me a picture of a fish that he caught. I think it's a perch. Uh, it looks like a good fish, good catch. Um, so I will uh, pray that he has a good time, is fully refreshed, and brings me some fish. Um, that might be a vain prayer. Is that what you're saying, Brenda? Okay. Well, that's too bad. Our Bible study that we are going to be having is the Sermon on the Mount. We've had our first uh, gathering, and it went really well. We had a great time. Uh, we will resume our study, not this coming Thursday, but the week after. This Thursday, I will be away, as well as the Wednesday, I should say, at something called Reignite. And this is an annual pastor's retreat that the CBOQ puts on. And it was going to be all virtual again this year, but this year they also offered an in-person option. And so I'll be heading to Mount Hamilton Baptist Church. And then actually uh, in the evening, some friends of mine from uh, McMaster Divinity College, uh, the pastor of Wentworth Baptist Church in Hamilton, and his wife have graciously offered to have me there overnight, uh, sleeping on a mattress on the floor. So there you go. Bless you. So I will be staying with Sean and Jess and their kids. And uh, he said, as long as I don't mind tripping over toys, then it won't be a problem. And and Beth said, as long as they don't mind me playing with the toys, it shouldn't be a problem for them either. <laughs> Coming up is our 181st anniversary. That's on Saturday, October 16th at 2.30 p.m. Uh, Summer made a really nice uh, poster as well that's been spread out on Facebook. Uh, if you happen to see it on our church's Facebook page, uh, take a moment and share it on your own and spread the word. Let people know that it's happening. Somehow I missed the slide of what's happening this afternoon. What's happening this afternoon? Eden's anniversary. Eden's anniversary, 174 years. And I heard they have just a brilliant speaker coming in. That, <laughs> and he's as brilliant as he is humble. <laughs> that doesn't say much for my intelligence, does it? <laughs> I will be speaking there this afternoon. It was a privilege of, of speaking for them at 2 o'clock. And everyone is welcome to come and, and join Eden, for that service. Look forward to it. Are there any other announcements that need to be shared at this point? Okay, great. Of course, we remember that giving of our tithes and our offerings is something that we are called to do as the body of Christ, and not to do so under compulsion, and not to do so because we feel obligated, but because we do so in joy, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this is our opportunity to give back to him. And you can do so through plates at the back, or you can do so through our online giving as well, through e-transfer. And all of this helps the kingdom of God to grow. It helps us to be able to worship as a family of faith and do what we're doing here. And so thank you to everyone who continues to give and helps to see God's kingdom grow. Let's take a moment and thank God for these gifts that have been given. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have blessed us in so many ways. Father, we thank you that we live in a country that has so many blessings bestowed upon us, so much goodness around us. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity, for the privilege we have in partnering with you in building our kingdom. For the privilege and, and honor that we have of sharing in this family of faith together. That we have this place and these people that we can be gathered with. That we can minister to people here and far away. So Father, this all happens through the giving of our tithes and offerings. So we ask that you would take what we have given and you would bless them. That others in turn may be blessed. That your kingdom may grow. And that people may know your love. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The next song that we're going to sing has been around a day or two. It was written by Charles Wesley. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. And so let us stand and sing together. Maybe not as if we had a thousand tongues. They might cross over each other, get tripped up. But let us join in praise together. Please stand. we come to our time of praying together. I wanted to give you an update on my mother-in-law, Evelyn. I know uh, many of you have been asking already, and thank you for doing so. Uh, because of her having COVID, she was not able to talk to her doctor in person, but they did have a phone consultation. And so after taking 22 vials of blood, and after her MRI, um, they discovered nothing, unfortunately. So um, I guess in one sense it's good that there were some things that they thought might be and it's not, so they've been able to eliminate a few things, but still no further ahead with the challenges she's having. So we'll keep her in prayer of the, the pain that she's been having and the challenges she has. Um, 
trying to think if there's anybody else that I have updates on. I really don't. Does anybody have any updates on anybody else there? Uh, my daughter Hannah, Beth is looking at me going, you better not forget your daughter. <laughs> yes, my daughter. Um, so last week I mentioned that I swapped my Monday for my Friday, and, and Hannah and I went off to Brantford so she could have six teeth removed. Thank you, Kathy, I remembered. Um, yes, and so uh, she, that went successfully, and uh, Hannah actually then ended up going dog-sitting. So she's been dog-sitting for her brother and his wife, and uh, they are calling him Toblerone. Toblerone. So he was Tobias. I was calling him Toby. But yeah, so she's off visiting her other favorite nephew. Um, and so uh, Will and Hillary had a wedding to attend. And so she's doing okay. Her mouth is naturally sore, but she's doing all right. So yes, thank you. Um, Beth, anybody else I've forgotten? <laughs> awesome. Anybody else that we have an update for? People that we've been praying for? Right. Thank you. So yeah, so the Mudges, they're off out in Vancouver. And they're out visiting family, I guess. Is that correct? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Awesome. And so that's good. And uh, so we do pray for their safe return as well. Yeah, it's just a very short, extended weekend kind of time that they've gone for. But what a neat opportunity. And so we pray that it's a great time for them too. Thank you, Phil. Thank you for that reminder. Sandra. Melody Nunn. Um, thank you. We, of course, have seen uh, or have heard about the, the devastation of uh, Fiona and what it, that storm has done. Uh, this morning, I, I try and make it a habit on Sunday mornings to check the news feed in case there's something happened that I, I haven't seen since you know that I don't watch the news anymore. But uh, out in the, the Maritimes, they've been hit pretty hard as well with this storm. Uh, some houses that were along the coast actually being washed back into the ocean. Um, it's been uh, one lady actually in her house went out and they managed to rescue her and, um, so it's been pretty devastating for some places um, down in the there's a place down it's gone right out of my head I, thank you thank you I appreciate that Puerto Rico right they were just recover trying to recover from a previous storm and then they got slammed again and so it can be just brutal for places like that um, yeah go ahead I have a friend that Good. So they have been very fortunate because 80% of Nova Scotia was without power. Yeah, 80% of Nova Scotia without power. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've heard that it's uh, the one statistic I read this morning was over 350,000 people are without power in the Maritimes right now. So um, that's uh, there are people that are coming across Canada to go and try and help out, but let's keep them in prayer in that situation, and certainly in the islands too. Uh, here we have resources, we have people that will come. They're 
it's a, a little more difficult to get help and resources and stuff. So let's remember them too. that Phil was saying that his buddy Adam and uh, his daughters had gone out to the East Coast in an electric vehicle a couple weeks ago, but they're glad that they're not there now because they might not have power to come back. So, Yeah, for sure. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we are grateful for the good things that you do for us. We are grateful for your mercies. Father, we know that sin has had its impact not only on the hearts of people, but on nature itself, on the planet itself. And we see this manifesting itself in storms. Father, we pray for all those who have been impacted by this storm and other storms. We pray for the safety of all of the workers and the people in the Maritimes that are where there's power lines that are downed and all sorts of challenges to be worked through. Father, we think of those down in the Caribbean. A beautiful place to visit, Father, at times, but when the storms come through, they just devastate them. And often there is so much poverty already. Father, we pray that through your mercy, people would be cared for. Lives would be rebuilt. Father, we lift up the melody to you as well. And Father, for others who are struggling, who don't fit within the rest of society for various reasons. Sometimes it's their own choices, sometimes it's mental health issues, sometimes it's other things. Father, they're on the margins. We pray specifically for her. But we pray for all those who are on the margins today. Father, I thank you that Hannah's surgery went well. That for Evelyn, that they were able to eliminate some potential worrisome possibilities. Father, we pray that Evelyn would be able to get the help she needs. We pray for her relief. Father, we lift up these people that we continue to pray for, who battle cancer, who have other medical conditions. Father, we lift up the hurting and the lonely, the grieving and the isolated. Father, we pray for your healing to come to them. So today we also pray for Maddie Roman, Wilson Doreen, June Chambers, Louise Groom, Angela Mutual, Alma and Lloyd Anderson, Tim McKibben, and
and Dave Callahan. Father, we also lift up our sister churches too. Specifically, the two that are on the screen of Delhi First Baptist of Kevin Babby and Green Hills Christian Fellowship York. Lord, we pray that in all places where your name is proclaimed, that your blessings would pour forth. Father, be with us and speak to us. Pour out your spirit upon us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our next chorus that we're going to sing together is found at number 734. It is Be Strong in the Lord. Let us stand and sing together.
here we are again, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. And we are working our way through the gospel of Matthew. We're at Matthew 12, and today we're going to be looking at verses 22 to 37. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Amen. Today I wanted to talk about facing condemnation. Remember, when we first started looking at the kingdom of heaven, we had these ideas of what the kingdom of heaven might be like. This beautiful place, right, with, with clouds and, and sunlight and warmth and harps and angel wings and all that good stuff. Maybe that's what some of us think that heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven. And there will be elements of that there. But Jesus also, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, taught them these important words. This request of God that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is it like to have the kingdom of heaven on earth? If you missed last week, this is Jerusalem. This is what it looks like. The kingdom of heaven. What is it like for us to be agents of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth? Sometimes it's not easy. 
Have you ever faced false accusations? Somebody said something about you that simply wasn't true. And you kind of wonder, well, where did that come from? Why did they say that to me? Have you ever faced religious condemnation? It's not easy to be a person of faith in a world that doesn't understand it. It's not easy to be a person of faith at times when it's easily misunderstood. I thought this was a great picture of this football player stopping to pray. But I have to confess, every time I think of football players praying or giving God the glory for their touchdown, this cartoon comes to mind. And there's a football player, and he's crossing the line, and he says, this touchdown's for you, Jesus. That's his thought. And meanwhile, up in heaven, Jesus is watching hockey. <laughs> uh, that's got to be a Canadian one, right? But it's hard, isn't it? When people laugh at us for our faith, when people mock and ridicule us because we believe in Jesus Christ, they're like, oh, you've got to be kidding. Do you believe in the tooth fairy too and Santa Claus? People laugh sometimes because we believe in Jesus Christ. How can you believe in somebody who was from 2,000 years ago? This book that some people would say was just made up. Mock. And that's hard enough to take. Sometimes people are just outright cruel and mean and angry about it and call us names for believing in Jesus Christ. All right, let's touch the nerve. What words do they use? Bible thumper. Bible thumper. Idiot. Idiot. Crazy. Jesus freak. Fanatic. Not in a good way. Stupid. Uneducated. Foolish. Or it's hurt. It's cut deep through us. They cut, I think, because it sucks to be insulted in the first place. Also because there's this element of what they're missing out on. They are, you recognize in that moment when somebody is like that, how far they are from God. How much they're missing out. It hurts when it's a stranger. It hurts when it's somebody that you don't know well. Cuts to the bone when it's family. Jesus faced false accusations. Look at what I read to you today. The words that were spoken by Pharisees. Jesus faced condemnation. Here Jesus is. He's healing somebody. He's rescuing this person who is kept blind and dumb by a deaf and dumb. I've forgotten already. Sorry. Um, this person who needed Jesus' help, uh, this demon had kept them bound. Jesus did an amazing thing. And the first thing out of the Pharisees' mouth is an insult. Oh, well, obviously. 
Look at, look at this guy. We know this character. No way he could be God's man. You look at the Gospel of Matthew, these angry Pharisees, and they say it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. See, they understood, their, their belief was that the head organizer, the one who did everything, they called him Beelzebul. We might call him Satan. It's by his power that he's just kind of orchestrating a show. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's not really happening, or if it is, he's just doing it by the power of evil. Ouch. Why would they say that? How could they say that? Maybe that name sounds familiar to you. We've actually heard it before as we've been walking through Matthew together. Matthew 10, 25. Back a little while before this, Jesus said, If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? And what he was implying in that is that people were calling him, essentially, Beelzebul. This is where he was saying that the student is like his master. If they're going to call me this, guess what they're going to call you? There are difficulties when we are facing such people. There are difficulties of misunderstanding. People don't understand what it's like. And so maybe that's why they're insulting. Maybe that's why they're so cruel. False accusations. Well, obviously, you must be a complete idiot. You must have never gone to school if you believe in Jesus or any part of the Bible. Pick your part. Outright condemnation. You must not have a brain in your head. How could you believe in that? Let me encourage you this morning that you are not wrong. You are not wrong to believe in Jesus Christ. What's the number one book that's been read more than any other in all of history? Tell me. The Bible. How many people believe in Jesus Christ? Just the people here? Millions of people believe in Jesus Christ. Over the course of history, billions of people have believed in Jesus Christ because he's real. You are not wrong. Sometimes they get into our heads, don't they? When we, we face this difficult time, when we've, we've heard so much negative about Christian faith, that it can make us either afraid or angry, Feel alone. Sometimes we have good reason to be afraid because they're being mean and scary, right? People that get beat up, imprisoned, killed for their faith. That's a little scary. Sometimes Christians get angry. We need to be careful with our anger. I'm not going to tell you to never be angry, but I'm going to tell you to be righteous in your anger. And may the Lord have mercy on your soul as you're trying to figure out whether it's righteous or not. 
easy to feel alone. In that moment. I'll tell you about somebody else who felt alone. His name is Elijah. 1 Kings 19. If you want to follow along, grab a Bible, 1 Kings 19. We're going to look at verses 14 to 18. The amazing thing about this story is that Elijah had seen God do incredible, powerful things. God then even offered to pass by Elijah so he could see his back. But Elijah had been through some brutal times. King Ahab wanted him dead. His queen Jezebel wanted him dead. And so he was off in the wilderness. 1 Kings 19, starting at verse 14. Excuse me. You actually start at the end of the verse before that. The voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God's voice. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me, too. Talk about feeling alone. Elijah had seen horrible things. And he thought he was alone. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel and Mahola, to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. But check out this part. Elijah thought he was alone. But God says, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees who have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. This statue, pagan statue, thought he was alone. Sometimes we feel alone. You are not alone. <coughs> look around you. Well, go ahead. Look around you. See, you're not alone. I'm not preaching to one person today, which is also good for me because it's kind of really weird in that kind of dynamic. You're not alone. You have your brothers and sisters, your family of faith here at Goshen. You have your circle of Christian family and friends that are beyond this church. The church universal. You are not alone. But it's hard, and it makes us wonder sometimes. Why, why do we go through this? Why is it happening to us? Well, we need to remember Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you belong to the kingdom of heaven, it might be because you face persecution. Unfortunately, the flip side of that is also true. If you're part of the kingdom of heaven, you will face persecution. He said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil 
against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Think about Elijah's story. Those who hated them went out of their mind to try and destroy the prophets. They did horrendous things to them. As a matter of fact, when King Ahab later saw Elijah, he said to or saw him one time, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? He accused him of being the troubler of Israel, even though he was the voice of God to the people. Be reminded that if you face persecution, you are not the first. You're not going to be the last. You are not the only. Anyone remember these bracelets? WWJD. What did it stand for? What would Jesus do? Well, that's a very good question, right? It's a reminder. We're supposed to stop and think, what would Jesus do? Well, when Jesus was facing condemnation on this day, he had a response. Let's take a look and see what he did. Grab your Bibles. Turn to Matthew 12, 38 to 42. Jesus already had a response to them, didn't he? But he goes on from there. And then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. <laughs> if I was Jesus, I'd be like, Have you missed all the other ones? But they wanted to see a sign. They asked him for this because they didn't believe. They were doubters. They wanted to trap him. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. When he says adulterous, he means unfaithful towards God. But none will be given it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation to condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment. Excuse me, my pages stuck together. With this generation, and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now, something greater than Solomon is here. You want a sign? I'll show you a sign. You want a sign that I'm the son of God? Well, remember how Jonah did this thing that was kind of amazing? God did it through him? Like Jonah, he rejected God's desire, his call for him to go to Nineveh, so he went the other way. A storm came up. He went, got thrown overboard. Actually, it was his own request. It was the only way that was going to stop it. And God provided a large fish, whale, creature, one of a kind, who knows, to swallow him. Down in the water. Not a hope of survival. Not a hope of coming back from that. That was Jonah. But he repented inside the belly of the fish, smelly and gross and dark, and he was spat out on the shore, 
cleaned himself up, found his way to Nineveh, preached a message. I'm sure all of those sailors that were on the boat thought, we'll never see him again. Just like they thought with Jesus when he was crucified. We'll never see him again. Three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. In his response to those people, he said that those who reject him will face ultimate condemnation. Those who had repented, those who sought wisdom, they would recognize Christ. But the people that were there in the very midst did not recognize Jesus. The queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, they came to see Solomon because of his wisdom and to hear him speak. The Ninevites, this wicked, wicked people who turned from their ways when Jonah preached to them. Funny how Jesus' response about that condemnation is similar to Elijah's when Ahab called him a troubler of Israel. He said, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. How did Jesus respond to condemnation? He told them that you're condemned instead. How did Elijah respond to it? He said, it's your fault. Maybe that's not always the best response from us to people. When they tell us that we're stupid, maybe we should harness our inner two-year-old and say, well, you're stupid. I don't know that that's really going to bring them closer to the kingdom of God. Arguing and fighting and saying, well, you know what? The Bible is the most widely read book in all history ever. Or saying, well, look at all the billions of people that have come to faith. Arguing is not necessarily, for most people, going to bring them to faith. Might make ourselves feel better for a moment. What was Jesus getting at? He said that something greater than Jonah is here. And earlier, in the passage we read last week, he said something greater than the temple is here. He said something greater than Solomon is here. Did you pick up those three categories he's talking about? Greater than Jonah, who was a prophet. Jesus is the ultimate prophet. Greater than the temple, which is run by priests. Jesus is our ultimate high priest. Greater than the wisest king, Solomon. Jesus is our wise king. The three holy offices. Prophet, priest, and king. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of heaven brought to earth by his people who face condemnation like he did. Who would share the same message that Jesus did as he began his ministry. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. But what do we do with all of this? Where do we go? How does that help us? What do we do when we're facing condemnation? Well, I have some questions for you to reflect on that hopefully will help. Ahead of time, 
not in the moment. Stop and reflect. What difference does Jesus make in your life? Does Jesus make a difference in your life? Has he made a difference in your life? Store those things deep in your heart so when you're facing condemnation, you can weather the storm. How is life better because of him? I remember what I was like before Jesus. I know what I'm like when I'm not living in Jesus' will. It's not pretty. In fact, it's quite ugly. Roosevelt is claimed to have said, when you reach the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. Sometimes it can feel like that. That we have reached the end of our rope with these people that are friends or family and are so difficult. I'm going to suggest that you remind yourself, you restore yourself, and you renew yourself. And you do that through the encouragement of others. You know those things that people have said to you? Maybe you've got a card or something like that. Hang on to those words. Write them down in a journal. Store them away for the times when the storms come and you can pull them out and say, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. We have a community as well that God has surrounded us with. I think sometimes that's the most underutilized part of our church family is that we have a community of faith. We're here for each other. We should call out to each other, connect with each other. It's not just my job. Hang on to those friends. Maybe they're outside this church. Draw on them, rely on them. Turn to them in the storms. There's the scriptures, the very word of God. Hang on to that truth. It is precious. And many have given up their lives that we may have it today. Bury the word of God deep in your heart. And then there are the changes. You know, what we used to be like and what we're like now. How God transformed us. How maybe God met with us at some point. Maybe it was at camp when we were a kid. Maybe it was last week at the coffee shop. Hang on to those changes and those memories. A time of closeness with God. So we can face those storms. Remind yourself. Restore yourself. And renew yourself with these tools that God has given you. I want to take a look at 2 Timothy. Chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, as we head towards our conclusion. It's a reminder that Paul gave to Timothy about the world in his day. And about the challenges that Timothy was facing. They sound very similar today. He said, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers... And imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's a tough world. There's a lot of people who are against Christ, who are motivated by Satan. But there's good news. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. 
because you know those from who you learned it. That which you have become convinced of, and because those you know who you learned it from, those people that spoke into your life. We're not going to take time to read it. Matthew, in Matthew 12, 43 to 45, Jesus talks about how this generation was kind of like somebody who had been exercised, kind of like this guy, made clean, but then nothing filled that space. The spirit goes out and finds seven more spirits to come back and make him worse than he was in the first place. That's a generation that we have always lived in, that we've always struggled against as Christians. Their hearts are hardened and calloused. And sometimes we bear the brunt of it. But you are not the first. You are not wrong to believe. You are not alone. And there is one little passage that I want us to look at again. Matthew 12. Let's go back there. 46 to 49. this is such a key thing. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Mark tells us that he hadn't been eating and his family thought he was out of his mind and they had come to physically take him away. They didn't believe. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. We may have been mocked, yelled at, insulted and laughed at. But one day the laugh will be ours when we see Christ face to face, when we are reunited with him. And in the meantime, we have one another. Let's draw strength from that. We have the scriptures. Let us draw truth from that. We have our Heavenly Father who brings us this joy, this peace in the storm. Let us rely on him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us in the middle of persecution. You are with us in the middle of false accusation. You are with us when we face condemnation. Jesus, we thank you that you are not a God who doesn't know, who doesn't understand. You have been here. You've been through it probably far worse than any of us will ever. Help us to turn to you in the hard times. May we draw strength from you, but also we thank you for brothers and sisters of faith, for your holy word. Thank you for your spirit which dwells in us. Shelter us from these storms, we pray. And may we come out stronger. And we look forward to the day when we see you face to face. 
And when that joy that fills our hearts now will be made complete. And we will laugh together. Thank you for your incredible love. It's in your name we pray. Amen. final song that we're going to sing together is number 730. And you cannot sing this song sitting down. Because it's stand up, stand up for Jesus. Please stand. reminder that we are called into the battlefield. We should not be surprised that once in a while we get wounded. But let us take our wounds to God. Let us rely on his word and his spirit and the example of his son to carry us forward. Let us remember that we have in store for us a crown waiting for our faithfulness, a new home, beautiful, wonderful things in heaven. So let us go as his people, holy and dearly loved, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.